There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ruler Long Reads, the finest long-form cycling features and stories from Ruler magazine. Brought to you by Lacquer, bicycle insurance powered by the community. So my name is Oren Peleg and I'm an investor in Lacquer. Three things that really caught my eye. The first one is, is they're looking to change the insurance industry, which is a very large industry and I think needs change. The second thing is, is I'm deeply passionate about getting people onto wheel. We need to address our congestion and pollution crisis and I believe that two wheels have a massive role to play in that. And the third thing is, I can see a growing trend around companies building on the strong communities that they have. And I think Lacquer's business model in the way they tap into the community of cyclists is something that's very much on trend at the moment. In August last year, the former Canadian pro Swain Tuft lined up at the start of the 2,000-kilometre GB Duro Ultra Race. It was the latest stage in his very unorthodox retirement. Ben Cutler reads, Worst retirement ever from Ruler issue 102. The words are by Swain himself, and there's strong language throughout. Retirement is a bitch. But it's never talked about in pro cycling. There's no guidebook and there's no help. Your life has been lived in this tunnel vision, endorphin and dopamine high for so many years. Now it's all been pulled right out from underneath you. At a time when in any other job you'd be moving through the ranks to bigger positions and making more money. The only way I was able to exist in that sport was to be all in. To make it my whole life. There was no thinking about other things, no planning about futures. As soon as you have a foot out the door, you're done. But once you are out, you're like a leper and you feel cast away. You're a completely different guy all of a sudden. At the time when you probably need the most therapy in your life, you receive zero. I was lucky with the teams I was on, and I can still communicate with my friends on them. But I don't think a lot of guys have that. It can be a very dysfunctional time and one where you can be attracted to booze, drugs, whatever. Maybe I didn't respect retirement enough. Maybe I wanted to push it away and not really deal with it in the way that you should. There's no clear-cut path for that stuff, so you just blindly go forward. Some riders jump straight into the next thing, with no transition, no time to think about it. 
which can be healthy in some ways and very detrimental in others because you've still never dealt with it. In pro cycling, you never have to face the real world. You can keep running away in your own little false world of bike racing. That's probably the hardest part of the transition. When you don't know any better, you keep resorting to living in a single-minded way and focusing on one crazy thing. It's why I jumped right into starting up Tooft's adventure tours in Andorra. But I realised I was the biggest baby. The way I designed my life was to do whatever the fuck I wanted. That's great for some time, but in the end, you need to evolve. Ultimately, I realised I had to deal with retirement. I didn't know how. So, I decided to have a crack at the GB Duro. I've never been a great details man. That's not my forte in life. I've always been more about seeing what happens. Riding north to Alaska a couple of times, spending some winters above the snow line in British Columbia in a tent, even getting into bike racing and making it into the world tour ten years later. My attitude was, go for it, see what happens. Don't stress about all the bullshit details because trying to make everything too perfect just cracks you. In fact, I think so much of the important stuff I learned in my life was not in the adventures or the things I was trying to do, it was all the shit that happened in between. Firstly, I always believed it would work out. But I also like that crazy factor. What are you going to do if it starts snowing for a week? Well, I always figured something out. I hitchhiked all over the place, I hopped trains, Worst case scenario, I could make my way back home. I'm a big believer now in taking the best of each world. I can't go back to being a 20-year-old touring, yet there are still a ton of things from those experiences that I would love to experience again. I miss that wackiness. So when I create my trips now, it's all about capitalising or making the most of the things that I know I love, while also enjoying the work I've done to get to this part of my life. It's a weird hybrid of those two things, because they are opposite ends of the spectrum. But ultimately, if trips go perfectly, I don't remember them. This is why the GB Duro captured my imagination. It was about throwing what I've known for the last 15 years out of the window and saying, oh fuck it, just go for it and see what happens. You like sleep? Well, let's see what it's like not to rest. That's what this thing was about for me. A whole other challenge in a whole other way. I'm not out there to teach anyone lessons, but my biggest point is that we don't control anything in life. The biggest asset and gift you can give yourself is being able to adapt and roll with whatever is thrown at you. I decided to pack everything in a trailer, like when I first started adventuring on a bike as a teenager, going on trips north. I feel like I'm a whole other human being from that old time. Yet, as soon as I got that sucker hooked up, I had remembered how good a trailer is to have while touring. I love that freedom. All these recent years, I've been doing so much with the light seat bags and bar bags, and they're fantastic, but one of the biggest limitations is carrying enough food and water to camp out. That's no problem with a trailer. Bike racing should be beautiful for the planet. Instead, we're the worst. Garbage. Emissions, old shitty generators running in the back of buses, puking out diesel everywhere. And all that is probably nothing in comparison to hundreds of people flying from all over Europe just to do some provincial French bike race. A guy will come in after a stage and have these single-serving plastic bowls and spoons and use a fresh one every time he has something to eat. Within an hour, the trash is overflowing with rubbish, In the last four or five years of my career, 
I would bring my own wooden spoon and my own little bowl and have all my food in that. I started feeling so disgusted by all the single-use shit that I was throwing out, all in the name of my own convenience, my own performance, me getting things as quickly as possible. We could do such simple little things in this world to have a pretty good effect. It just takes a tiny bit of extra time to go and wash your bowl at the end of the day. The problem is that when you're searching for performance, all that stuff gets thrown aside. I just think it doesn't have to. You don't have to be wasteful and me, me, me all the time. You can think about others. Little things, right? The problem, too, is that the template as we know it is fucked up. Teams are run by rich dudes who made their money by not caring about the environment anyway. They're not changing it. You need companies like EF, for example, to force the bigger teams to change. It can be little stuff at first, but it grows into something bigger over time. So with this event, that's why I did the ride across Andorra. I wanted to commit all in. I've toured a lot in the last few years when I was a racer, and I was always concerned about adding extra stresses. I always had limitations. But I found that when you don't have to think about any of that stuff, you just go with the flow. And I was happy to be out riding all day. I've toured a lot in the last few years when I was a racer, and I was always concerned about adding extra stresses. I always had limitations. But I found that when you don't have to think about any of that stuff, you just go with the flow. And I was happy to be out riding all day. On that ride north, I would take a nap in the hottest hours and then ride on into the night. There's a massive difference in the energy expenditure required to maintain 30 kilometers per hour compared to 25 kilometers per hour. That's the important thing to realize in order to be efficient. Just keep moving all day and don't worry about pushing hard. Because of the coronavirus restrictions, Brittany Ferries in Roscoff refused to take passengers without a vehicle, which caused me a real headache when I got to northern France, where I had planned to hang out with my wife and boy for a few days. In hindsight, I'm glad I went through that process there, but I wish I'd nipped it in the bud. I ended up paying a thousand euros for a rental car to park just outside Plymouth on the beach to wait to come back. That time of year in France, they get ya. I have to say, once I got there, the UK is pretty fucking beautiful. I did not expect the terrain to be so constantly hard. What made me laugh was just riding from the ferry to Land's End was a solid ride. I stayed off all the big roads because drivers hate you, which reminded me of riding in Australia. So I was on those little lanes with the hedges where you're either going straight up a wall at 15% or you're descending at the same percentage. It's pretty intense, but boy, there were some beautiful parts. Mass Gainer, the gym supplement, was my solution to carrying enough calories during the event. It's about the most energy-dense thing out there. I also took three kilos of my macadamia, almond, blueberry and cashew blend, with a bunch of sea salt in there. When your body is breaking down catabolically, it shuts you down. But if you can trick that whole system that everything's okay, by giving it some nutrition, you can keep plugging away. I had already started that process before the race started, but I realized that the mass gainer after a couple of days is too dense. What I needed was carbs with fiber, like granola. As much as you think calories are everything, it's also about digestibility. No one should really be taking in that much creatine either. 
Anytime you're up against people who are really going for it and you're not really taking it seriously, it's pretty tough. The first two days of the race, the guys who were really hoping to win slept a few hours and about 50. The first day, I think I rode 16 hours. I've never really done that before. I remember trying to sleep that night, but I was so wired it was kind of pointless to even try. That was a bad way to start. From then on, you go through these highs and lows, and I had some moments of euphoria and some moments of real frustration. I deliberately didn't pay any attention to the course beforehand. The trailer was good in so many ways, but in other ways it was so frustrating. All of the fence crossings and some of the tracks were just brutal. Still, I had moments where I had a smile on my face and I was loving it. There was a mountain I went over at night. I think it was in the Brecon Beacons. A lot of people would have chosen to bunk down there and wait for some kind of daylight, but I just kept trucking. It was almost a full moon. I was pushing my rig over this mountain. Then there was this ravine that was blown out, and I remember bombing down there with the bike and the trailer, grinning. After I descended down off the top of that, I slept in this little place with a rock wall where the sheep had buffed up the grass perfectly. In my mind, the world is just for camping, and on that course there are a lot of places out in the middle of nowhere where you know that no one is going to bother you. The whole race was leave no trace. You had to pack all your rubbish out, and the organisers gave everyone a little shovel at the start for everything else. On the third day, I got pretty sick. I'm not sure exactly what it was, possibly some suspect water sources, or too much mass gainer. I was in the middle of nowhere in mid-Wales, and I pulled the pin. Normally, I would have just got my head down and finished her up. I could have sat it out for a couple of days on the mountain where I was and waited until I felt better. I had allotted six to seven days worth of food, so maybe I would have had enough. I would have loved to have made it to the end, but I still had to get back, and that was a big stress with this expensive rental car. And it comes down to this. I realised it isn't only about me accomplishing my things anymore. I'm used to seeing a bunch of freaks on the start line, guys who are whittled down to nothing. But these guys at the GB Euro were massively fresh, packing quite a few extra kilos, which is probably key to doing well at those events. It's not about going fast or how much power you can put out. None of that stuff matters. It's about reserves, and a lot of them are crazy about logistics. It's their project. They have their day job, and they're just planning everything down to a T. It's a whole other world. Out at night, on that mountain... I caught up with this other guy who'd ridden all of the first night. I'm out there trying to have a good time, not really caring about the outcome, and I was trying to converse with him. But he was just like a ghost. He couldn't even talk to me. I don't think he could put a sentence together. It was super windy and he was trying to ride his bike over these boulders while I just committed to walking. That was where I saw a future version of myself, if I kept going down this road. Say you are successful here, or that it grabs you enough that you think you could do well at this stuff, then what's next? There will always be something crazier. I'm not like those other guys, in that sense that I'll do nothing for the rest of the year and build up my reserves. I will just keep doing them, go from one thing to the next, to the point where I start taking on shit that is really not healthy. 
By this point in the race, the only thing that was clinging to me was a part of my ego that had bought into this image of myself. That was the biggest struggle I had to deal with. I saw the ghost of my future self on that mountain, and I realised I didn't want to become that. This imbalanced sport has created a monster out of me. I'm never satisfied. I always have to push it. I'm worried in life that if I do ever work again, I'm, I'm not going to have the time to do the things that satisfy me enough to get that feeling I crave. I need to rewire my brain because it's stuck in a really funky pattern that isn't quite stable or balanced. I'm a bit nuts, and it's starting to hit me now. I can't do anything normally. It has to be excessive all the time. As much as that will always be a part of my life, I need to keep that in check. The best thing that came of this trip was me trying to kill that part of myself. Because it's over. When I was younger, I could go out and do my own things without thinking of anybody else. That was a great time for that. But that is such a false entity to run your life on. I think I needed to really feel that. It was so easy to fall back into those bad habits from my time as a racer. They're so programmed in that it's hard for me to even pinpoint what they are. I suppose it's a get-her-done-at-all-costs mentality. It's fascinating, but it becomes detrimental. I was blitzing by this beautiful part of the world at its best time of year, and that was the part of me I wanted to get away from. I was missing out and getting wrapped up in the game again. The best thing was that I was able to enjoy that pass in the full moon and think, this is pretty awesome. But there are big parts of that day that I don't have any recollection of. I have been an addict to a feeling. I wanted to have the sensation of a grand tour again, getting in my 3,000 kilometres, but when it's done, wondering why I did that to myself. Part of this trip was about me trying to feed that beast. But I also had this thing in my mind of what it was going to be, this nostalgic ride with my trailer and all that stuff. It's such a reminder that you can't recreate those things. It's never the same. It was nice to just let go of that and the ego that's connected to that. There are big parts of this sort of thing that I love, but I need to retain those things as something I do truly love, and I need to find the most sustainable and simplified version to support and raise my family. Because that's all that really matters to me right now. I didn't finish the race, but it's what I needed. I freed myself of that connection to that part of my life, I got back home, and I realised that there were a lot of great moments out there, but this stuff truly, truly isn't for me anymore. You've been listening to Worst Retirement Ever from Ruler Issue 102, read by Ben Cutler. Now then, here's an infomercial message for the discerning folk of Rulerland. For the finest long-form cycling journalism and exquisite photography and design, why don't you simply subscribe to Ruler magazine? It costs as little as £7 per month. Regular columnists include Orla Shenwi, Roman Bardet and me, Ned Bolting, accompanied by features from the best writers and photographers in the business. Simply go to ruler.cc. You know it makes sense.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.